Hi, my name's Anna Shaflarsky, and this is Letters to the Editors. For this episode of Letters to the Editors, I've invited Daniel Falb, poet and philosopher based here in Berlin. Daniel will be reading his extended poem, P.M. Schicksalup, a text that he refers to as a type of concrete poetry influenced a great deal by his postdoctorate work on geophilosophical metaphysics. Five has already published three volumes of poetry with the publisher Cookbooks, and in 2016 was awarded the Kurt Siegel Award for Poetry. Payam Schicksalup was published this week as a chapbook with Broken Dimanche Press under the section called Parapoetics. In brief, poetic works speculatively investigating the voice of the non-human. Five's poem introduces many actors. These are ancestral beings of the homonid, for example, the Homo florensiensis, or the communicating ape, the bonobo, and the famous archaeological remnants called tongue child. These existences overlap. Their evolutionary interactions are often brief and unemotional sexual encounters. Fab also resets the clock with a deep time chronological system that goes beyond our human historical narratives and sets the actors in the wake of Shiksalup, the location where a crater impacted the earth, thereby triggering a series of geological events leading to our eventual cognitive development. After the reading, you will hear as I try as hard as I can to keep up with Daniel as he talks about the poem in relationship to geophilosophy, deep time, the novelty of global thinking, and transcendental empiricism. So enjoy and let your mind go. This is Daniel Fab reading Shiksalup Payam. Shiksalup Payam. Sayeshin one. Shilahos Mabach. Three climate refugees of generation 7141 passed by, 5 p.m. on November 10, 4541,736,938. Enter Torgasse after 75 meters, turn left into Wildermuth, then Güntherstraße. Access dwelling house number two, the now closed art hotel in p.m. Zero. Inside the room where he was born, you find a Maletto Terrier, four and a quarter, generation 3514, on YouTube in PM, performing autofellatio in plain language. He gives himself a blowjob, savors his own sperm with a red mouth, right next to the mother vitrine in Mabach's subsidiary of the Schiller place of birth. Payam is speech in the sea's baptismal registry. It breaks through the Bepermandep, migrates into the Eurozone, the paleo coastline of Sunda, inside the mirrored vitrine, where, besides the silk baby jacket and the children's head cap, it has laid out sea levels inside the Xenon manuscript of Payam. 4,497,697,696, 189 meters above, 4,541,715,721, 123 meters below, zero. You push open the rusty door to the kitchen, pay in a fucked up restaurant in Montmartre, 
and find at the rear sink with softened hands an unidentified homofloresiensis woman, 1963,909th generation, who does the dishes in that steam with a baseball cap. Behind the door looms Hobbit LM1, generation 64,112, spotted September 4,541 million. 736,925 by Brown et al. as if stupefied or numb. Between paper bags and the storage rack you find a masturbating female bonobo. For years, five months, 77,935th generation. I. It is, in this gloom, an evening inside the Denisovan reservation, the writing desk of Schiller National Museum. And that's the point. The homofloresiensis woman dries off her hands and you lie down belly to belly, rubbed your lapia sideways. You gave head to LB1 when you noticed two further bone fragments in the dark. Aye. Denisova 4 enters, the glaring canine in his translucent jaw goes down on the bonobo and Payam tongues the Nandong man, 45, loop, Yoishagin, LB1. You'd find doggy stall already back then. Schiller, National Museum, equates to Denisovan Reservation, equates to Denisovan Brothel. The Haber-Bosch process the end table, which feeds 199 of thousands in in the museum, Payam as supplement to the show Autopsy Schiller, eine literarische Untersuchung, A. Milky Way, A. Mars, A. Bounty. This fight happened at night, and the Payams could see the cage in which it happened. The night cage. And the Payams who saw the fight happening, and we know that because we know where they were sitting in their night quarters, they were very upset about the whole thing. And the next day, when we released the entire colony outside, they lived on a big island inside the Holocene Museum. When we released all of them, several Payams, and those were those that had seen the fight. They went out after the aggressors, and they chased them up a tree, and they kept them there for a very long time. So they were very mad at what had happened. Thereupon, Kansi, uh, generation 81,200 at the ACCI in Des Moines, created a series of poems in the under manuscript, Water in the Cloud, Tsunami Warning System. On metasedimentalism, Pareto subloop, poetry made of 400 words, read the titles. Now the cloud liquid was stored for 3,200 years in an open casket of the holdings, from the holdings, in an open casket, fuck that, in an open casket from the holdings of Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. However, in the cold store, some 200,000 years, if 
the CO2 deposit regulations functioned in Sistria, in Existeli, in the province of Bington. The water level sensors contact the regulating cloud in real time, and cloud fluid pours out over the torso of artificial intelligence Sue Savage Rambal. You advanced towards the heavily subdued black cisgall of Payam Pain, where I could pay only with expired monets, centuries apart from the casket of Baron von Honlausitz et al. At 52 degrees, 29 minutes, 25 seconds north, 13 degrees, 26 minutes, 53 seconds east, I presented you with the following bouquet. Five supercentenarians in the center, draped in tight black cotton bags, the morning of the day after their natural death, repapered. The middle layer contains truncated withering branches of the ancient European Fortingal Jew, born 4,541,731,912, that's 5,000 years ago. And for decoration, two homeless guys on their fucked up cardboard, 29 of 34 and 38 of 41 years old, she perches on him, allows his dick to slide in, seesaws gently up and down on him, the just heavily breathing, now blissfully mourning, ha ha ha, I live with you in a house built of expired food because I can't eat nothing else. Packet soup from the Korean War, dashed with cloud fluid, a loaf of bread from the formats. Being stunned with its tremendous waterfalls, the autopaleontists, yeah, it is pan lube, it is pan sub lube, but that's the point in a way. Um, it's trans liquid, it is trans liquid stuff in a way in Marbach. Translubricant at the moment of impact. It is submanuscriptal, submanuscriptaceous at bottom. That I cannot simulate with real flow. That's the point. It is transarchival. It is loop manuscriptal. There's nothing you can do. That's um, the point. Real flow animates without problem. The natural climate change. Climate change has happened until 11,700 years ago. And in the future it happened... Again, anyway, no matter <clears throat> whether man-made or not. Not so the trans-sedimental xenolubricantaceous at the rock stratums at the beach of Tsumaya. Peter Ward, 67, has rested his nude upper body precisely upon the Cretaceous Paleogene boundary, the impact's 2 millimeter thin red boundary layer. I push up the red velvet curtain by which his face is being protected from bleaching out and run my left hand over his big, big belly and as I irradiate cometarily, stroboscopically, eyes fixed on the Bay of Biscay, he jerks off 
and I masturbate, each privately. Payam, stumbling into the sub-manuscript, pots with its forefinger effector inside the redness that radiates from iridium and glazed debris and pots out a minuscule molecular wire sticking inside of it, uncoated, out of which walk individual electrons, roll down the cliffs, slide in, whispering, into the bay of Biscay. The mean sea level is um, some meters underwater. I spell with chalk onto this board. Planktonic nanofossils from the Cretaceous trickle down upon the individually displayed, scribbled, climatized to a maximum of plus two degrees Celsius, like Kafka's process manuscript in Marbach. Pages of the sub-manuscript of this poetry. Peter Ward, generation 7140, still roaming around in but a few meters distance, disperses his feces, Payam grabs at them with hand in a transparent plastic bag, which it turns inside out upon those and um nuts. Which mean sea level should one try to eternalize in submanuscriptaceous existonesia, if not the one accidentally stumbled upon there? Once reaching high, AB, once reaching low, BA. Your conservation of the AKN. Your conservation of the Mesozoic. Your conservation of the accidental inventory list of the Holocene Museum. Your conservation of the Earth's accidental equipment in the year 10,000 million, 10 years after Shiksalup. Denisova Force K9, a somewhat superintelligent thing, tossed into elder care. A museum for the museum. A house against the homelessness of houses in Paratumus Manuscriptaceous Existonesia. Good. This manuscript part, loop, fits the accidental disposition of your aesthetic faculties. The impact on the comet that subsedimentarily, stroboscopically walks away. Session 2. Prehistoire equates to non-eschatology. Knowing we are prehistoire equates to living in the face of enemy. Being prehistoire equates to living in the presence of Shiksalup inside UNESCO's Memory of the World program equates to Daniel Falb, Deutsches Literaturarchiv Marbach, ein Poem. Deutsches Literaturarchiv Marbach equates to a depot for code, equates to Mossack Fonseca. Mossack Fonseca equates to a depot for code, equates to a reservation for Australopithecus Africanus. Marbach's subsidiary of the Schiller Place of Birth equates to Amazon Cloud, equates to 
content of the books of Mossack Fonseca is part of UNESCO's Memory of the World program since 4,541,736,138. Tong Child lives in Mossack Fonseca, in brackets, reservation. Mossack Fonseca, in brackets, means sea level, descends into cloud liquid, equates to Schicksalup tsunami by D. Felb. Daniel Felb equates to Tong Child. 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 Beware, the all is not 13,798,211,963 years old, but the earth is 4,541,736,938 years old. And before that, there is no year. Beware. There is no year before the earth. So there can also be no year zero. Do not believe the saint's calendar. There is no year zero. Year one is the first non-eschatological year. Payem Zero lives in prehistoire. Eternally remains below one year. Signed, Tong Child. So, Daniel Fayed, thank you. The first thing I would ask is, what is Payem? It's kind of a word that is used in many different sort of forms within the poem. The Payem is often uh, obviously um, um, derived from from the poem and changing the O to the A, um, and by so doing, getting a fully new kind of agent for the text, allowing a poem to appear inside of itself in different disguises. This is a device that just at some point popped up, popped up in my head. It wouldn't have popped up, I guess, without the um, Schicksalup uh, as, as main title, which is a proper name, but in some exotist fashion, in, in, uh, as a German title, sounds a very fantasy style. So PM adds, adds to this, but it's really the functional possibilities that came with it, with this change from poem to PM that attracted me to it. Schicksalub is just a, it's just a Mexican place, a today Mexican place, I should say, where 65 million years ago a, a comet hit the Earth and thereby triggered the until now, last uh, mass extinction, uh, over 50% of all species gone at this time, and granting the mammals the evolutionary window, which led to our existence, a world in which the uh, comet hadn't hit, uh, would be unobservable, uh, because we wouldn't have uh, come about. So in some sense, this is an uh, experimental uh, a priori to to us opening the eyes. So how does time work within the poem? Well, obviously the, the, one of the general ideas is to um, situate the poem itself in, in deep time, in geological time. This came from the topic writing about the sea. Basically sea level changes, but also then geographical changes that come with it in deep time was the initial moment of this of this thing, the notion that there is a um, human history with climate change that this is much older uh, than, the, than the current one. 
starting from the process of hominalization uh, 2.5 million years ago itself being a climate change effect and then uh, several you know cold periods and, and warm periods within the 200,000 year time frame of, of the Homo sapiens species. So basically to uh, open this species time time frame to the poem was, was the idea. There are obviously uh, current best estimates of the age of the Earth and, and, and the universe. They come with a margin of error of some <laughs> thousands and thousands of years. But of course it's absolutely legitimate to set a precise date emergence of the earth or of the universe and that's what I do. So I create a fake, if you will, but it's not as fake as the as the Jesus calendar. Um, a fake calendar with a fake kind of precision uh, coming with it and just um, using it to date all these events. The funny thing is, of course, that as these numbers are big and unfamiliar, that uh, the prehistory and the far future somehow are being blurred. Are we in the deep future or are we like in the deep past? From these numbers itself, we cannot, because we have no experience with this numbering system, we, we don't know. And this is also a welcome effect, I guess, that you don't know. Is this archaeological or science fiction kind of poetry? Yeah, it's very disorienting. You don't know if you're watching the evolution of the ape or if you're examining our prehistory from some sort of post-apocalyptic future. Of course, if you go into these time frames, then there's not just one human species, there are multiple hominid species. We are just the, the final survivors, so to speak. Open up this, this field and to have some interactions uh, based on, on true facts, of course, also sexual encounters between these different lineages of humans, human species was an idea I had, especially as the the namings of these uh, archaeological remains of uh, other hominids, um, like Town Child, has a great poetic, in quotation marks, uh, resonance. Sometimes it's very technical, but often it has, a, it has a very great sound, and I wanted to introduce some of these figures into, into the text. The sexual encounters are not procreative. They are masturbatory or indirect yes. sexual encounters. Yes. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. It's, um, I mean, generally, if you go on YouTube and stuff, uh, porn is ruled out, but animal porn isn't. And uh, like a very common genre of animal porn is, of course, animal masturbation. And... So this is basically then a question of the deep time history of the evolution of our sexuality. You need a certain cognitive ability to to act to act this way. Basically, a reflexivity upon evolutionarily produced dispositions that then the individuals take into their own possession. You need some kind of higher intelligence to be able to do that. Not that high, but a little bit, no? And I find this as a cognitive figure, you know, without making a joke about it, although it is funny, <laughs> um, I, find this, I find this interesting. There's another, there's another aspect uh, somehow, sometimes poetry, intellectual endeavors of the abstract nature uh, labeled as cognitive masturbation. And generally the idea, you know, it is not productive, it doesn't produce anything, uh, all this, it's contra naturam kind of bullshit. It, it's nice to just, you know, activate uh, this. The idea of deep time itself has 
a masturbatory aspect uh, to it. In a masturbatory act, you are blocked from the sexual partner because you do it to yourself. So in, in, in deep time, you have cognitive processes that have no object because they are not part of the world uh, anymore. Uh, of course, never ha has anyone encountered uh, a deep time existence or even historic existence. They are not empirical. Uh, but then there's, I mean, this is also, these things, of course, as you know, they, they grow and they develop and they, you explore basically the initial conditions with which you went into this kind of text project and then you see what's, what, what's coming out of this. Um, you said that the calendar has to be changed. Mm -hmm. is, is a deep time calendar really an option? If you put this as an educational project, you would say like, <laughs> this is a propedeutics, of course, uh, of new intuitions aligned with like big history, what people call big history, so that we have a um, historical consciousness of like, this historical bullshit, this is so close and so chaotic, basically, but we have a standard historical consciousness of... 5. Uh, 4.5 billion years. So this is this is the standard, and this is just how we have to set our intuitions about about the world to calibrate them. Um, I'm totally on board with this reemergence of grand narratives. Uh, this is represented in 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 the big history uh, projects. I mean, yeah, the the end of the grand narratives, and then suddenly they reemerge, but really in, in geological proportion. And this is what I find breathtaking. I've never been interested in history whatsoever, but in geological uh, history and uh, ge geological time, absolutely. Aside from these uh, evolutionary biological references, you also have some academic ones, including the Deutsches um, Literaturarchiv Marbach, the German literature archive in Marbach. How does that enter into the poem? Um, I was thinking about this juxtaposition, which is also a motive in the text, of the literary archive for the museum and uh, basically in the the biosphere or the idea of sustainability in the biosphere which is a conservatory act so the deutsches literaturarchiv marbach this is the biggest german contemporary literature archive and uh, the schillerhaus marbach is simply uh, a institutional predecessor of um, the deutsches literaturarchiv you're also working on an academic work, I mean, other work other than poetry. And how do they, how do the two works play off each other? By training, um, I'm, I'm a philosopher. Uh, in recent years, I have uh, explored what you might term uh, like energy philosophy, which is a uh, philosophy for and in the Anthropocene. Uh, so these issues of deep time uh, also come up in this in this context because the Anthropocene as a geological concept of course you know inspires you to think geologic time scales and to contextualize the present as a geological age. The the, the work I'm uh, trying to finish right now actually or <laughs> the very near future is called the Geospeculations and it tries to make some kind of juxtaposition of geophilosophy and Anthropocene related issues and uh, tries to figure out a way to think uh, geophilosophical metaphysics, basically, or scientific metaphysics. And parts of what I have told here is, is also in there. Lots of what we call like, the sciences, especially like the historical sciences, history, archaeology, uh, geology, cosmological time, 
uh, as well as things like uh, astronomy, but also futurology, these are actually branches of uh, scientific metaphysics. In the sense I mentioned that the objects they um, investigate are not physically present in this world, in this, in this universe, or in this place, and so can only be investigated through traces. I would call geophilosophy the philosophy of the, of the whole Earth in every sense. And one sense is, of course, like the ge ge geological time scale kind of thing, the whole Earth is the Earth from its emergence to its uh, destruction. Uh, the other dimension, so to speak, of the whole Earth is, of course, the, the planetary dimension. In, in, in the present, the globalization, basically, as that process which, for the first time, uh, really, um, makes the oneness and the wholeness and the totality, if you will, of the Earth a tangible reality. So geologic time is not an old thing, it's a fucking new thing. Basically, the idea of Homo floresiensis is as brand new as the fucking iPhone, you know? It is the same kind of thing. Um, it is a total novel, no novel kind of thing. That's also what's happening in your poem, I suppose, that there's this kind of conflict of trying to keep track of where you are in that moment of reading the poem and the moment in which you're writing about, they don't seem to um, come together easily. And you don't make it easy <laughs> for anybody. Of course, thinking of the whole Earth is not about having thought on Earth from the beginning to end, but precisely looking at the very, very small time frame, so to speak, in which this species exists, <laughs> and in which this cognitive structures are being produced and understanding that basically the cognitive structures that are like the geophilosophy, that are geologic time, are nothing but uh, physical properties of the surface of the Earth uh, at a very specific moment in time. Actually, when I saw the title Payam, I thought of Pangea. Mm -hmm. I thought about mm -hmm. this other, other, I didn't think of poem. I thought of an, oh, funny. Yeah, I thought of <laughs> I thought of some sort of Latin word for another world and that was a supercontinent. Yeah, like a super yeah. I thought of I just thought of Pangea but I knew it wasn't Pangea. Mm. But I thought of some sort of other kind of global geological space place kind of environment that was on on the edge. I mean, the, the poem is not dramatic or cat catastrophic, but I felt like something was, <laughs> <laughs> something was, about, to, something was about to go horribly wrong. We have to be uh, very precise, basically, you know, about uh, what, we, uh, what we mean when we talk about catastrophe in, in, in these geological times and timescales and stuff like that, and cannot project like, bad things happening to us into this uh, in, into this event ne events necessarily as as is for example the extinction of a species process without victims first species don't exist uh, only individual organisms exist at a specific time another thing which is uh, of course striking and which is also something i i explore in the in the current uh, uh, project is this realization that the Holocene conditions of the Earth, 13,000 years, whatever, are very particular conditions. And then if you look uh, on Earth at the history of evolution or of, of nature, if you will, on, on these large timescales, 
it becomes catastrophic in the sense that it's super dynamic, basically. It is just not sustainable. Uh, otherwise, 99% of all existing species wouldn't have gone uh, by now. Otherwise, you wouldn't have all these dramatic changes in the Earth system that today are recorded as different geological ages. These are all catastrophes uh, by measure of the loss of biodiversity and stuff like that. The Anthropocene mass extinction, generally, <laughs> the destruction of uh, planetary habitability, is just one further example of environmental catastrophes produced by a system which has like Davinian principles at its core. So those were excerpts of our conversation from last week. As you can imagine, that's just the tip of the melting iceberg when it comes to Daniel Feib's thoughts about his work. The chapbook Schicksalut PM is available from Broken Dimanche Press. Future work coming up from Daniel Feib will be published by Merva. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Letters to the Editors. You can check out future and past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. And Letters to the Editors is an AKV Berlin project.